Rebuild SoCal partnership represents more than 2,700 contractors and 90,000 union workers throughout Southern California. The partnership is dedicated to advocating for clean water, safe bridges and roads, which are vital to Southern California's economy. Better and safer infrastructure means good jobs and stronger communities. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and please visit us at rebuildsocal.org to learn much more. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Rebuild SoCal Zone. I'm John Swatolsky, your host for today's episode. This week is another episode in our Women in Construction series, a series of important conversations. This time around, we are speaking with an operating engineer, Teresa Stevenson. Teresa is currently a public license works inspector on an airport project in San Diego for their International Union of Operating Engineers Local 12. Teresa, welcome to the podcast. Hi, John. Great to be here. Well, it's great to have you. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. And so if you could just start out by telling our listeners a little bit about yourself, your background, how you came to do the work that you do. Well, originally, I whenever I moved back to California, I had gotten my nursing degree. I have an LVN. And my son, who is an operating engineer, he mm-hmm. said, Mom, you can do this. You'll be great at it. You'll make more money. You'll enjoy it more. So he talked me into it. He talked me into going through the apprenticeship program. Right. And it was incredible. I got so much education, so much help from other people who want you to succeed through the apprenticeship program. It was incredible. I spent $35,000 for an LVN that I can't make enough money for in California to live. As an operating engineer, inspector, I make comfortable middle class by myself. Nobody else needs to help me don't need to have another income. It's fantastic. And I love it. It's absolutely incredible. I take that as your son was correct. Oh, yeah. He knows his mom. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Well, just tell me, where did you move from? I'm originally from Southern California. My Mm ex-husband moved us out to the Midwest, which isn't a very friendly place for a woman that works in the male dominant industry. I was in Missouri and they're just not real friendly about that. And I don't do well in a woman dominant industry. So when divorce, you know how it goes, all of that. I moved back to take care of my mom who got sick here. Mm -hmm. And that's when my son said, Hey mom, you can do this. I know you can do it. Apply for the apprenticeship. And it was the best thing I've ever done. I started the apprenticeship program at 52 years old. I'm now 58. Okay. And how long did it take you to go through the apprenticeship program? It took me five years to get through the apprenticeship. It shouldn't have taken that long. I was struggling with some of the plans and this, that, and the other which they help you pass. You go through Mm -hmm. classes, you do all these things that they pay for your books. All you have to do is put in your time, 
do your work and actually try to do what you need to do. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I love it. I absolutely love it. They gave me a thing that I can now eventually be able to retire. Whereas before there would be no way I would ever be able to retire. Yeah, that's so fascinating. So you went to school, you studied in the health industry. Could you tell me what an LVN is? Yeah, it is a licensed vocational nurse. We are a step under RN. RNs make a lot more money, but me as an LVN, I had already spent $35,000. And that was for basically entry-level nursing. I specialized in pediatrics. My daughter was hit by a car when she was 11. And that's what got me into the nursing to try to be able to take more care of her. And Mm -hmm. so she has a traumatic brain injury, but I can't make nearly what I make as an operating engineer. I can't take care of my child as a nurse because I wouldn't make enough money to take care of her. It's amazing. You would think healthcare would pay you a lot better, but you pay through the nose for the education. And then you're always paying a lot of money to redo your licenses and to redo all these other things. Whereas the local 12, when it's time for me to have my CEUs to update my licenses, and my ICCs, they actually have you come up there and they give you the work. They help you fill out the paperwork and they get you your CEUs. Mm -hmm. That's what you call being in a family. Oh, that's really nice to hear that there's a lot of support that they provide to help you along the way where you, you certainly didn't have that at least I haven't heard you say that you didn't have that when trying to get recertified to be an LVN. And so you've, you've really made an interesting point here uh, in that, you know, we, in our society, you know, try to communicate to young folks that, you know, higher education is, is the only way to go and everybody must go to college. And the reality is, is that you can get yourself into debt And you can uh, be in a field that doesn't pay very well, doesn't offer very good benefits, isn't a family, doesn't offer that, that support. And so, you know, on the other hand, you know, there are really good career opportunities that you can find if you're willing to put in the hard work that it takes, which it sounds like you have. Does that sound about right? Yeah, it is. What a lot of it is, is it's a comfort zone, maybe. But what it also is, And they don't say this, but like in nursing, you have to have a thick skin. Mm -hmm. Well, the same goes for in construction. You can't Mm -hmm. be real sensitive about things because there are times to where it seems like, well, shoot, what happened this time? But but it's all a learning curve. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it just happens because you don't have that information or that knowledge yet. Mm Mm-hmm. So as long as you don't have a thin skin, you're pretty good. Mm -hmm. Teresa, I'm curious about something you said earlier uh, related to uh, working in a male-dominated environment. You've had the experience that wasn't so positive 
in Missouri. How has your experience been here in Southern California, in, in San Diego? It's been fabulous, actually. I mean, you'll occasionally have your one or two, for want of a better word, grumpy old men that just, they don't mm -hmm. want women in the industry. But they are so far and few between. Most of the contractors I work with are incredible. They're, you know, up pace. They want to help you out. They want to do their job. Just like I tell them, I said, our job is to build an airport. Mm -hmm. It's not to be, you know, petty or, or be jerkish about anything. You do what you need to do. If you have a problem, you bring it to the person's attention. And that's what I do as an inspector. If something mm -hmm. isn't passing, I let them know what's going on. And I tell them, okay, you need to, you know, your means and methods are not working. You need to figure out something else. Mm -hmm. Do you work around many other women? It is sad. There are some women that are in through the administration. So they, they're probably superintendents and such, but they're not in the field. Mm -hmm. I think I've seen one or two carpenters that are women, one, maybe two iron workers, and I haven't seen any operators other than myself, and I'm an inspector in mm -hmm. the area I am. And it's sad because we're just as capable as these guys of doing things other than brute strength. And mm -hmm. as long as they understand our strengths are in other areas, we're great. Mm -hmm. And everyone that I've worked with are really good about that. Well, that's great to hear. I'm, I'm very happy that you're not having a similar experience that you had in the Midwest. And so that must make um, going to work on a day-to-day -day, uh, basis easier. But I do want, if you don't mind, want to just dig in a bit here and, and ask you just about kind of the challenges and what perhaps goes through your mind in working in a such a male dominated industry where you perhaps don't have another woman to talk about shared experiences or someone who you have who's gone through similar experiences before who can you know maybe provide an example I and mean, we've talked with folks before who have had mentors which was helpful or who are really uh, passionate about being mentors for for other women so i'm i'm just curious about what you're mindset is on showing up every day to day when you're the only woman on the job site? Well, I had a very strong woman mentor me when I first got into the union. I, I met her by chance at MCTC, which was another large site. And I was talking to her and she says, well, if you have any questions, give me a call. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. Absolutely fantastic. Anytime I have a question, I call her. I still call her. We're, we're friends. And I tell any apprentice I work with on the job site, I don't care if you're man or woman. If you have a question, my job as a journey person is to help you out. Mm -hmm. And if I can help you out, that's, that's what I'm going to do. Because like her, I want to be able to mentor others so we can continue to make our union stronger. Mm -hmm. Perhaps give the advice to others that your son gave to you. Yeah, this is a good thing. I'll go to the store or something and I watch someone that's hustling. 
male or female, I don't care, young person. And it's like, you know what? Here's the information for the local 12. You have a get going attitude and and you like to work and you're showing enthusiasm and you want to do things. And I have given out the number a hundred times because if you are that type of person and I'll tell them, I said, you don't have to go to college. You don't have to go to junior college. You can go and do this and be able to take care of your family. My son, his wife was able to stay home and he took care of the family on his operator engineer's wage. Mm. And that's in Southern California, which is mm-hmm. amazing. Mm-hmm. Well, it can be done. Yeah, that's incredible. Well, thank you for sharing that. You know, this is part of the reason we do these podcasts and we have these conversations so that our hope is, is if someone else is listening and hears your passion, hears your story, that they will be encouraged to join Local 12 or another union, um, but join the construction industry because you can make such a good living for yourself and, and your family. You don't have to be saddled with of tens of thousands, if not more in debt, you know, we really appreciate you, you kind of digging in and, and, and sharing what I would say is somewhat personal story and personal reflections. You know, Teresa, if you don't mind, I'd like to actually dig into the actual work that you are doing. So can you tell us what is a public licensed works inspector? Currently, what I'm doing is I do a lot of civil inspections. So what what I'm doing is I do compaction on the dirt they're placing. They have to get a certain level of compaction. They're laying concrete or they're putting slurry over conduit for electrical or telecommunications, all of these things that are all under the ground that nobody sees. So what we're doing is we're trying to make sure everything's done to code, everything's done so we have a beautiful bottom for that beautiful terminal to go on. You want to get all that stuff in there and make sure you have everything in right. Mm -hmm. So I find it almost artistic in a way. You see all these conduits and all these pipes going everywhere and you're like, wow, and you're actually going to have some place where that's going to come into the building. Mm Mm-hmm. It's interesting. So you inspect this and make sure that everything is up to snuff, for lack of a better word, up to code. Up to snuff. You you look at your plans to make sure that the plans are for the building. You want to make sure they're in the correct plans because there's RFIs, which means they're tweaking things. It's a design-build building, which Mm -hmm. means they're, they're making the plans as we're building it. Literally, they are figuring out where they want everything as they're actually putting the walls up and building it. How is that to work with? So that's kind of a new trend, a new thing. What kind of adjustment is that for you? It's a pretty big adjustment. I came from Caltrans work. I worked on a bridge on I-5. They, they actually built a new bridge, demoed it, and then extended the bridge. And we were doing HOV lanes up towards LA. So I was doing all dirt work and um, concrete work with the freeway system for a long time. And then I just came down over here 
in October, and I absolutely love it. Great. Teresa, for those of our listeners who are not in San Diego, or those of our who are following what's happening at the airport, can you tell us about the project itself? Yeah, I, I can tell you a bit about it right now. And they've been working on this part for quite a while. We're just building up the very bottom where they're going to have all the baggage going through and all, all these other electrical areas and, and the telecommunication areas. So what we're doing is we're, we're just covering the base at this point. We don't even have steel going above the ground yet for the actual terminal. They have okay. a bridge that they're building. They make it sweep into the terminal where the terminal is going to be. It, it's just, there's so much going on. You have so much steel. You have so many other things going on. We have trades from everywhere. We have iron workers. We have concrete masons. We have, of course, you know, telecommunication, electrical. We just, plumbing. We have so many different trades going through every day. The footprint of the building changes daily at this point. Hmm. They are doing so much stuff. It's it's just very interesting. I mean, you'll go in one day and if you'd have a week off, you'll probably get lost for the first five minutes because they have so much going on. Okay. So you expect to be on that site for some time? Yes. I'm probably hopefully going to be on this site for the next three years, which would be fantastic. Okay. You know, Teresa, you speak of not just your job, not just this work, but the project too, uh, with such a uh, passion that I'm wondering what it means to you to be building, uh, you know, the airport of the future or the HOV lanes that you previously worked on. What does doing this work mean it, to you? It makes me so happy. It's it's amazing. I'll I'll go down the road by that bridge. And even though my mom and my daughter and everybody else is like, oh, we got to get off here so we can just check out how beautiful the bridge looks. I take people all over the place because I love it. It is something I it's tangible. I can show you where I, you know, I did concrete or where I helped out with the HOV lane or right now where where we're burying, you know, pipes. It's interesting. It's it's amazing. And I can't wait until the airport's done. Because I'm going to be telling everybody, I worked on that. I was there, you know, because it, it's yeah. exciting. Well, it's exciting to hear you talk about it. You speak about this with such, yes, excitement, but with such pride that I wish every policymaker, every politician at the local level, at the state level could hear what you are saying. And I think that if they did, they would know not just that your job is, you know, a job you can support your family on, that you can retire happily on, um, but that they should support and not just take for granted the work that you do to literally build the foundations of our economy. Um, and it, you know, a modern airport is critical to moving people and in goods. And it's um, really refreshing to hear you talk about that. And you've had such a journey. You had a passion for healthcare. You've now found a second career that you clearly have a, a passion for. Well, how do you view the arc of your your path here on your journey 
um, to getting to where you're at being a expert inspector after what you've experienced? Well, I've, I've done a lot of things in my life and nothing has given me as much satisfaction. I love nursing because I worked with kids, but the problem was you always have that in the back of your mind. It's like, I'm going to have to work 70 hours this week to make ends meet. Mm-hmm. Well, then it doesn't become enjoying anymore. You, you can't enjoy it if you know you're going to work yourself to the bone. And mm-hmm. I could work a 40-hour week and be comfortable. And I love doing it. That's the thing. I mm-hmm. absolutely love it. I, I'm enthusiastic to go to work in the morning. Mm-hmm. I enjoy going to work. And I know not everybody does, but when you find something that you truly enjoy doing, it's a pleasure to actually go. And, you know, my thing is I'm always out looking around going, hey, you know, you should you should apply for the operators union or, you know, or you should do this. I'll see somebody and it's like, dude, why, why, why aren't you doing it? You know, you, you don't have to struggle. And I think it's a testament that I started this at 52 years old. Mm-hmm. If you're young and you do it you will have a hell of a retirement Mm -hmm. and you won't have the student debt that I have. Well, it's a testament to you that you were willing to take somewhat of a risk because you didn't know if you would like it. So you took an inherent risk and you have made something, you know, so great out of it. And and just uh, how you speak of it makes me smile behind this uh, <laughs> microphone though you can't <laughs> you can't see me so this has been a real joy to have this conversation with you Teresa. i'm just wondering if there's anything else that you'd like to share about being a, a woman in this industry about your journey or or just about the need that you seemingly have to tell people to spread the word that others should take a similar path i would have to say If you're a passionate person and you don't want to just kind of rumble along in life and you want to do something meaningful, construction is very meaningful. You don't have to do inspection to do construction. You can do operating. You can do underground. There's women everywhere. And all you have to do is want to do it. And remember what your physical capabilities are. If, you, if you're not able to do heavy-duty things, there's plenty to do as well. You just have to find your little niche. And it's well worth it. It is well worth getting a little bit out of your comfort zone and making a hell of a living. That's just me. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's really wonderful to hear. Well, Teresa, thank you for sharing your time and your thoughts. And thank you for the work that you do. I think we should do this more often. We should thank those who are building our communities for us. And so thank you for the work that you do. And and thanks for spreading the, the word. And thanks for joining us and just sharing your thoughts. Thank you very much, John. I really enjoyed it. Like, like you said, I enjoy being able to spread the word and get especially more women out there to be able to do this because it's great. It is very 
liberating. Thank you. Thank you. Well, that's all for this week's episode, folks. Thank you, as always, for listening. And make sure to subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss another wonderful conversation like we just had with Teresa. Take care. The Rebuild SoCal Partnership represents more than 2,700 contractors and 90,000 union workers throughout Southern California. The partnership is dedicated to advocating for clean water, safe bridges and roads, which are vital to Southern California's economy. Better and safer infrastructure means good jobs and stronger communities. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and please visit us at rebuildsocal.org to learn much more.